have that we are starting a few seconds early, um, so that's certainly okay. We're going to start with some prayer requests, as we normally do. Um, I did talk to Dot Tomberlin yesterday about Mr. Tom Tomberlin, who had surgery on Monday, and um, he has been up and about. Surgery went well. They're hoping to potentially go home this weekend. Um, they would request that you continue to pray for him and his recovery, but sounds like he's doing pretty well. Anyone else? Okay, so Missy Roberts had her brain surgery, and uh, she's obviously got a long road ahead of her. Okay, any other prayer request? Okay, and that was brain cancer? Diabetes, okay. Okay, good. Carrie uh, Patton has diabetes and at Vanderbilt has been going through quite a bit with that. Any other prayer request? So just remember that, um, like I told you guys before, every class that I teach, whether it's the fifth and sixth grade, whether it's the college class, whether it's the adults, is we take this opportunity to petition people to our heavenly creator. This is our opportunity to speak to God and to specifically name people or, or things that we want to remember in our prayers. So I challenge everybody in the class, whenever you're at home, whenever you're praying, maybe before you eat, before you go to bed, to really think about who you're praying to, I'm not praying to my buddy. I'm not praying to my pal. I'm praying to the creator of the universe. So I always want to show respect. And then I want to be as specific as possible. The whole goal here is, is I can't have a good relationship with God if I'm not communicating with God. If you think about your own life, whether it's your, your spouse, your children, your neighbor, we can't say that we have good communication or a good relationship without good communication. And how do we communicate with God? How does he communicate with us? Through his word. So God speaks to us through his word. So I have a responsibility to open his word, to study his word, to hear him speak to me. And then I also have the responsibility that I need to speak to him through prayer. So this is a really, really important aspect in the life of every Christian. It's something that we many times take for granted. It's sometimes... Uh, something that we fall short in, an area that we can all do better at. And, and I'm challenging you guys just as well as I'm challenging myself. So let's try to be really um, specific in our prayer lives and be very sincere as we pray to God. Anything else before we go to prayer? Okay, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are indeed thankful for each and every opportunity that we have to open your word and to study your word and to ultimately be better Christians. We pray, Father, on behalf of many who are sick at this time and many who are shut in. We know that there have been many who have had surgery recently. We pray that you would continue to be with them as they are recovering. We pray for our brother Tom Tomberlin and the surgery that he had this past Monday. We pray that you would give him a speedy recovery and we pray that you'd be with Miss Dodd as she is there helping him. We pray, Father, for many who are battling 
COVID at this time. We pray that you'd be with them and help them to regain their health and ultimately come back. We pray for Missy Roberts and the, the difficulties that she's facing with her brain surgery. Uh, we know, Father, that she has a long road ahead of her and pray that we might be an encouragement to her and help her. We pray for Kerry Patton and the difficulties that he's faced with diabetes. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would be with him and help him to regain uh, his health. We're thankful, Father, for, for Jesus and for his death on the cross, for knowing that sometimes we take for granted the blessings that we have because of Christ. We pray that we would do a better job of uh, being the Christians that you'd have us to be. And we pray that you'd give us wisdom and knowledge as we make decisions and as we strive to be uh, better Christians. We're thankful for all of our teachers at this time. We pray that you'd be with the teachers uh, in all of our classes, that the things which are taught would ultimately help to strengthen uh, those who are in attendance and uh, maybe prick our hearts if, if need be. We're thankful, Father, for uh, your word and for what it means to us as Christians. We ask these things in Christ's name. And amen. Okay, so two weeks ago, we started a study. It was based off of a bulletin that I found years and years ago. So the outline of the bulletin is entitled, Which Disturbs You Most? So what we did was we talked about two scenarios, and then we asked the question, which one of these scenarios disturbs you most? We're going to quickly go back over the ones that we talked about. We're not going to do it at length because we have some new ones to get to, but let's just quickly kind of go through this. What we talked about last time is if you are having physical heart problems, you go see a doctor, the doctor will run tests, and the doctor will tell you, your heart is performing at this percentage. You have this amount of cholesterol buildup. The, the doctor can diagnose what's going on and help you get better. So the purpose of this class is to take a look at our hearts spiritually. See, we can't go to a doctor and, and tell the doctor that we're struggling spiritually, and the doctor will say, well, here's your diagnosis, and this is what you... That, that's not possible. This is something that each one of us has to do on a regular basis. My question to you tonight, as well as to myself, is how is your heart doing spiritually? If you were to go and stand before God and He were to give you a diagnosis on your heart, your spiritual health, what would that diagnosis be? Would He say that your heart is barely hanging on? Would He, would he say that you need a heart transplant? Would God say, you're doing well, keep up the good work? Where is your heart spiritually? So we're going to talk about some real practical things just to make us think. So first thing was, which disturbs you most? A soul lost in hell or a scratch on your new car? And again, we talked about this a good bit last time. Sometimes we get so worked up in material things, in things of this life. Um, I told you the story last time about how my dad had a 55 Chevy and the hinges were kind of sagging and it chipped a, a piece of the paint out of the, and it was just, it was painful. Oh, it just, but at the end of the day, it's a car. As much as I love old cars, it's a car. We can't get too worked up on things of this world that when eternity comes, these things won't matter. There's nothing wrong 
with having a nice car and wanting to protect it and not wanting it to get scratched up. That's my personality as I want things to be um, well taken care of. I like to, um, I'm a little bit territorial with some of my stuff if you ask my wife. Um, but at the end of the day, that's not what it's all about. At the end of the day, spiritual things are things that we should get worked up about. When you turn on the news and you hear them talking about the crazy nonsense that's going on, does that stuff get you worked up? It should. When you hear some of the things that, that the politicians are pushing and they're gradually trying to push it farther and farther, sin is what we should get worked up about. Not necessarily whether or not the, the siding on my house has a crack in it or whether there's a, a scratch on my car. Again, you should, you should take care of the things that you have. We work hard for those things. But at the end of the day, that can't be my primary focus in life. I can't get so worked up that I got a scratch on my car and I'm ignoring the fact that, you know, my, my neighbor is lost or that, you know, somebody else that I know is lost. Okay? So we ask the question, which disturbs you most, a soul lost in hell or a scratch on your new car? All right, number two, which disturbs you most, missing a worship service or missing a day's work? So what happens when I miss a day of work? You don't get paid. When you don't get paid, that gets people's attention. When you take somebody's paycheck, you've got my attention. There may not be many things in life that get me riled up and get my attention, but if you miss a paycheck, that's going to get your attention. We can't get so worked up on these kind of things that we miss out on the spiritual things. We talked last week or two weeks ago about how Sometimes we are really good at coming up, justifying things, coming up with excuses. You know, it might be that your boss comes to you, your boss says, if you'll work Sunday, I'll give you time and a half. And so sometimes if we're not careful, we might think, well, I've got an excuse. You know, this is an excuse. I have to work. Now, he's given me the option of working. I don't have to take it. But sometimes we're really good at, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. He, he's sweetened the deal. Does it bother you when you're not here at worship? Think about that for a second. Does it really bother you? When you're sick and you're at home, does it bother you that you've missed worship? God completely understands if we're at home and we're sick and when we can't be at worship, He completely understands that. But it still bothers me. I want to be at service. I want to be here and I want to worship God. Whenever we have to work, if your boss says you have to work this coming Sunday, that's a different story. I don't have a choice in the matter. But it should still bother me that I can't be at service. We talked uh, two weeks ago about how if I have a job and I'm having to work 75% of the time and, I, and I'm missing you know, services left and right, it's going to wear on me. It's going to take a toll on me spiritually. It might mean that it's time to look for a new job. I can't be the Christian that I should be if I'm never at service, right? Okay, so we talked about which disturbs you most, missing a worship service or missing a day's work. All right, the next one was missing a, uh, a sermon 10 minutes too long or lunch 10 minutes late. Now, again, we do things reverse here. So we do 
um, worship, and then we do Bible class. Whereas when this bulletin was written years ago, it was kind of designed for congregations that do it the other way around. But we can still apply the same principle. Do we get so worked up when Bible class goes 10 minutes late? Or do we get worked up when the fact that I'm going to be late for lunch? And you know as well as I know, we look forward to lunch on Sunday afternoons. There's nothing wrong with that. But where is my mind spiritually? Am I upset because the Bible class teacher just keeps going on and on and on? Maybe he's even stepping on my toes. But I'd rather be, you know, down the road at at the steakhouse eating lunch. We have to put things in perspective. Make things spiritual. All right, this is the one we ended on last time. Which disturbs you most? A church not growing or a garden not growing? Again, there's nothing wrong with having a garden. Garden's a good thing. But am I more concerned, am I more upset because my potatoes aren't growing or that the church is not growing? If you want a healthy, productive garden, what do you have to do? You've got to water it. You've got to fertilize it. What else do you have to do before all of that? You've got to plant a seed. Is the same not true for the church? Do we have to plant a seed in order for the church to grow? Yeah, we have to plant a seed. That responsibility is only for the eldership. Though Only the elders have to plant seeds. Is that how that works? Not supposed to. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, is specific in that it says that we are all commanded to go out into the world and to teach the gospel. We all have that command. This is not God saying this would be a good thing to do. This is God saying this is what we have to do. You have to go out and teach people the gospel. I've heard people say before that, you know, how is it that You know, a person who's in the middle of Africa, who's around nothing, can be lost if they've never heard the gospel. If people could be saved without knowing the gospel, the best thing that we could do as Christians is not say anything. Keep it a secret. Right? If people could be saved without hearing the gospel, the best thing we could do is not tell them. Don't give them the choice. Don't educate them. Keep it a secret. We understand that that's that's foolish. We have a responsibility to teach people the gospel. All right, so here's the one where we left. uh, This is the one we did not get to last time. And again, this is an old bulletin, so we're going to modify this one a little bit. But which disturbs you most? Your Bible being unopened or your newspaper unread? I don't know if people still read the newspaper today like they did years ago, but let's substitute reading your newspaper with, you know, checking your Facebook notifications or your Twitter or uh, you're reading your favorite novel or reading your favorite magazine. So which disturbs you most? Not opening your Bible and reading it or not being able to read and to entertain yourself with our hobbies and things that we enjoy. This is one that, that this one hits home. We spend a lot of time on things that we enjoy. How much time do we spend on spiritual things?
We have to be careful here. The things that we enjoy, the things that we love, we're going to devote our time to those things. And if I'm not careful, it might be the only time I pick up my Bible is when it's time for service. I'm guilty of this. We need to do a better job of reading the Word of God. Remember how we talked about the key to any relationship is communication? If, I'm not, if God is not speaking to me through His Word, then our relationship is going to suffer. It's not God's fault. If there's ever a problem in your relationship with you and God, it's on you. It's not God. God will always do His part. It's me. I'm the one, I, I'm the one that falls short. I don't do what I'm supposed to do a lot of times. Again, there's nothing wrong with reading a, a newspaper or your magazine or, or whatever it is. But do we really desire to learn and to grow spiritually? Where are you spiritually? Would you say that you've grown in the last year spiritually? Would you say that you're more knowledgeable about the Word of God today than you were five years ago, ten years ago? Sometimes when we answer that question honestly, we don't like the answer. But the only person who can change that is me. That's not Don's responsibility. That's not Ben's responsibility. That's on me. My spiritual life is not just when I walk into these doors. It's every day. Every day I need to be trying to, to grow and to learn. And um, Something that I've found that's very helpful is finding um, different MP3 files of, of preachers over the years. And I drive a distance to work every day, and I'll just listen to some sermons. I don't necessarily have to open something and read it, but I'm already driving. I'm already spending time. It's a great opportunity to, to hear preaching and to learn, to study. We should be looking for opportunities. The amount of time that we spend reading God's Word is a good indicator of where I'm at spiritually. Do you agree with that? Have you ever noticed in your own life that when you're struggling spiritually, it may be that I've kind of backed off and I'm not quite as involved, I'm not quite as earnest or zealous with my study as when I'm on fire for the Lord? We all know that there, there are peaks and valleys. There are spiritual peaks and valleys in our lives. And there are some times where I'm on fire I'm probably more apt to, to be more sincere in my prayer life, to study God's Word, to, to speak to somebody about God. It's when I withdraw that I start to struggle. The answer here is God. The secret sauce is God. We wonder what's going on in this world today and why we're having the problems we're having. The answer is God. God fixes all of these problems, all of them. The problem is we keep taking God out of the equation, and then we wonder why we're having the problems we're having. God is the answer. Think with me for a second. Spouses, 
When was the last time you saw your spouse reading the Bible at home? When was the last time that our children saw us reading our Bibles at home? When was the last time that your children uh, were involved in a Bible study? When was the last time your children knew that you were involved in a Bible study? When was the last time we had a devotional at home or we, we sang some spiritual songs at home? Again, this is something that we can all do better in. And I'm, I'm stepping on my own toes here. We can all do better spiritually. Think about how our lives would be if we, if we push, push the Word of God as much as we push recreational things. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of, of truth. What is diligence? What's it mean to be diligent? Okay, putting as much into it as you can. Is diligence active or passive participation? It's active. Nobody's going to ring on my doorbell and say, I'd like to come in and read you know, 1 Samuel chapter 16 to you. It doesn't work that way. It's something that I have to do, something that I have to initiate. It takes action on my part. Diligence means it's going to take some sacrifice. I might not get to you know, go fishing this week. I might not get to read that magazine, this, whatever it is. It's going to take diligence. I have to decide where my time goes. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. Could you give somebody a defense for why you believe what you believe? If somebody came to you and they said, why are you a Christian? Could you defend that? Or would you say, I don't know, that's just what we do. Could you really defend it? And then if they said, well, why do you go to the church that you go to? Could you defend that? I've talked with people over the years. I worked with a girl years ago who was, she was Catholic. And uh, I, was at, I was trying to learn about the Catholic religion. And so I was asking her some questions. And I said, um, you know, is it true that you guys believe that Peter was the first pope? And she said, I don't know. And I, I would ask her several questions. And she would say, I don't know. She had no idea what she believed. None. Are we in that same boat? If somebody says, why is, there, why is there no band? Why, why are there no instruments? How would you defend that? Could we go to the Bible and give book, chapter, and verse for that? Could we explain why we believe what we believe? Why we practice the way we practice? For many years, I couldn't. People would ask me questions. I don't know. Just what I've always been taught. I couldn't defend it. We have a responsibility to defend what we believe. When was the last time that you had a one-on-one -on -one Bible study? 
when was the last time you had a one-on-one Bible study? If it's been a while, it's time. It's time. We can come up with excuses. We're really good at excuses. I'm really good at excuses. But there's no excuse that's acceptable. Imagine standing before God on the day of judgment. And and we've done the majority of things that we're supposed to do, but evangelism was not one of them. We shied away from the gospel because we were afraid we were going to hurt people's feelings. They might get offended. It's a responsibility that we have. Any questions? Any thoughts? All right, we're going to go to the next one here. So which disturbs you most? Your contribution decreasing or your income decreasing? Which bothers you the most? If for some reason you get laid off from work, your, your pay at work decreases, does it bother you when, you when you can't give as much as you used to to the Lord? Money is one of those things that one of those things that a lot of people struggle with. A lot of people. I, I would say that maybe even all of us struggle to different degrees with money. When it comes time to give your money on Sunday, do you ever think, do you know what I could do with this money? You know, we could, that bass boat I've been looking at, I could, we start coming up with things that we could do with this money. Do you ever give on Sunday but there's kind of this, this grudge, this bitterness. I hope not. I really do. I hope not. If, if I can't give to God like I should, that should bother me. Because if your income decreases, think about it like this. If you go into work tomorrow and your boss says, you know, times are tough, we're going to have to decrease your pay 10%. That's going to get your attention. That's going to get your attention really, really fast. What's the first thing you're going to think about? How am I going to pay my bills? And Typically, the first thing we think about is not, I'm not going to be able to give back to God like I have. That's not, that's not the first thing going through our minds, or at least most of us. But why? If the first thing that we should think about when we get our money or get our paychecks is, I'm going to take this amount and this is going to God. This is the first and then the rest of it I'm going to pay bills and things with, why would that not be the first thing that we think of? It's a legitimate question. Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Don't we know that, that God owns everything? That the things that we have, it's because God has blessed us? Why is it that money is so important? Just discussion. Is money evil? No, money's not evil. Money is something that's necessary. We have bills to pay. Money is how we get goods and services. There's nothing evil about money. Why do we allow it to control our lives sometimes?
Okay, because we want something more than necessities. Okay, I think that's true. How many of us go without our basic needs? Not many of us. If we're being honest, not many of us. We, we all have our basic needs. It, it, it's exactly what you said, Mr. Tom. That is, uh, it's the things that we want, not so much the things that we need. When I leave this earth, will any of those things matter? You know, we talked two weeks ago about how life is short and how sometimes we're negligent in, in planning ahead for after this life is over and how quickly we age. I told you that I'm not old. At 45 years old, I'm not old. But the, the last 20 years went by just like that. Super, super fast. And some of you who are older, I know that you know, the last 50 years have gone by like that. As we get closer, as we get older, you start thinking about eternity a little bit more. When I leave this earth, what is really going to matter to me? How did I train my kids? What kind of an example was I to my wife? I start thinking about eternity. Where am I going to spend eternity? Will my influence on my wife help her get to heaven, or will it hurt her? What about my kids? These are things that we don't necessarily like to talk about because they're not pleasant, but we're all going to leave this earth. We will. Where will you spend eternity? The good thing is, is that it's not something that I choose. I don't decide you're going to heaven, you're not. That's not on me. But I can determine where I go based on how I live my life, based on how my relationship with God. If I know God and I'm obedient to God, God promises me heaven. If I obey what is written in the New Testament, God promises me heaven. So again, the question is, is which bothers you most? Which disturbs you most? Your contribution decreasing or your income decreasing? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6 says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So is this verse teaching that if I give to God, that I'm going to be rich? Is that what that verse is teaching? It's not saying that if I give to God, I'm going to have a fancy car. That's not what that verse is saying. But the more that I give to God, and I give so properly... It strengthens my relationship with God. It keeps me focused spiritually. You want to know what's important to you in life? Where do you spend your time and where do you spend your money? That's a pretty good indicator of where you are spiritually. Am I giving 
God, my leftovers. This is really crucial right now. After the pandemic, after 2020, you know, we've got inflation sky high. The budgets are tight. Am I skimping back on what I give to God? Or am I cutting back on recreation and, and things that I want? We have to be careful here. Again, I told you, we're really good at justifying things. I can very easily justify, well, I'm not going to give this amount because I need to do this. And We just need to be honest with ourselves. All right, next one here. Which disturbs you most? Your children late for Bible class or late for school? Now, I want to... Um, I want to tweak this one a little bit, modify this one. So let's not say your children late for a Bible class or late for school, but let's say which disturbs you most, your children being unprepared for Bible class or being unprepared for school. As the deacon over education at two different congregations, Bible class is one of those things that's designed to help kids spiritually. And a lot of times, we neglect the opportunity that we have with our Bible classes. I tried to say that as nice as I could. We get so worked up on, little junior, you didn't do your science project. But little junior doesn't do his Bible class homework or his memory verse. Not a concern. As a parent, I don't say anything. Why is that? Is, is, is school important? Yes. I don't think anybody in here would argue that school's not important. Why do we treat school as if it's more important than our Bible classes? Because we do. We all fall short here. I'm going to make sure Junior's ready for school tomorrow. I'm going to make sure he gets in the bed and he has food in his belly so when he shows up for school, he can learn. But we might keep him up late Saturday night. They come in rolling in Sunday morning. He can't keep his eyes open. You know who that's on? That's on me as a parent. It's not the kid's fault. That's on me. I have a responsibility. Junior, do you have any school or do you have any Bible class work? Do you have any verses that you need to be learning? What did you learn in class this morning? That's on me as a parent. There's no tougher job than being a good parent. Do you want your kids to go to heaven? If you do, if you say yes to that, it's going to take work. Being a good parent and getting your children to heaven is something that requires active participation. I can't bring them in and drop them off at, at their Bible class and then I take off the other way and I don't mention anything about Bible again until next Sunday when I drop them off again. I know the things that I'm saying, they're not popular. I know that I'm probably making some people upset. My number one goal in life should be to go to heaven before anything else. There's nothing wrong with school. There's nothing wrong with, you know, higher education. I've been there and I've done that, but that's not my goal in life. My goal in life is to go to heaven. My goal in life is to help my wife go to heaven, to help my kids go to heaven. 
That's my responsibility as a man, as the leader of my home. That's on my shoulders. That's a huge responsibility. We need to be careful. I've had people tell me in the past that so-and-so stayed at home because they had an assignment for school the next day. So they missed Wednesday night service because they had a project for school. If I allow my child to do that, what am I teaching them? What is it? It's more important. I'm teaching them that schoolwork is more important than my Bible class work. We have some really amazing Bible class teachers here that work really hard, put in a lot of time behind the scenes. I could name some for you firsthand that I've seen. But yet we drop our kids off and we don't take advantage of how hard these people have worked and how much they love teaching our youth and training our youth. Why do you think it is that the church is, um, is, is struggling as far as numbers? We're losing a lot of our youth. Why is that? Okay, we're putting a lot of other things ahead of spiritual things. Maybe it's I tell my kids, heaven's my goal, but they can see very clearly that my lifestyle does not agree with what I'm telling them. We have a responsibility. And again, when a child grows up and they leave home, I can't make them do anything at that point. They may turn their back on God and they may never go to church the rest of their lives, but I have a responsibility to do my very best to teach them through my words and through my actions that I really want to go to heaven. So which disturbs you most? Your child unprepared for school or your child unprepared for Bible class? Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You ever been around a dog that's just wild? Just wild. What does that probably mean, if a dog's just wild? Not a lot of structure, not a lot of rules. You ever been around a dog that's like very structured, shakes, shakes hands, sits, stays, does everything. What, what goes into that? There's training. There's time involved in that. It's kind of the same way with our children. You ever been around a kid that's just wild? And the parents are yelling the whole time, Junior, settle down. Junior, sit down. And the kid's not listening to them. That's on me as a parent. It, it says, train up a child. Training means it's going to take effort. Training means I'm going to have to do something. There are going to be rules that they're going to have to follow, right? We train our children because we love them. We want them to make wise decisions. Have we had the second bell yet? 
Sometimes I don't hear bells. I know I heard the first one. So again, which disturbs you most? Second bell. Your child being unprepared for school or unprepared for Bible class. We're going to stop here. I think Don's going to be out in a few weeks, and then we'll kind of pick up with these, the same line of thought here. Thank you.